everyone has a story. You know, everyone has yeah. a role to play. Everyone has a life. Everyone has like struggles and achievements and all these things that you have no clue about. AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kenway. Welcome to the Yeah. Open your mind at the first gate. Press play, no need to debate. AOA, check me out. Look. Plug in, you can catch the hype. Golden Dawn, how we follow the light. Anime like life. Uh, married to it, my wife. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I am your host, as always, Ian, along with my boys, Isaiah. Yo, yo, yo. And Gavin. What is going on? And today we're here to talk about the Tower of God, season two of the webtoon. And what are the chapters? 111 to 124. You heard it here first, folks. That's where we're going to go. Deep dive analysis on the chapters that we read during our live stream that we recorded today. If you haven't seen that yet and you're watching this video, I highly recommend that you go and watch that live stream. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of amazing people there. But we're going to go over the chapters that we read in that live stream on a little bit of a deeper level we'll give you some of our predictions and deep dive analysis and where we think the story is going and why so definitely stay tuned for the ride if you guys like the content today make sure you guys are liking subscribing hitting that notification bell sharing with your friends and commenting your thoughts down below what did you think of this video our discussion what did you think of these chapters and what do you think about tower of god as a whole but Without further ado, let us get into some of the key points, thanks to the brilliant people in our Discord server um, yes. who put their opinions to the forefront yes. in terms of what we should talk about for our deep dive analysis. And mm -hmm. we kind of compiled all of those recommendations. We took ones that were similar across the board, and yep. we came down to um, a couple talking points here that we want to really uh, drone in on here. So don't be offended. Don't be sad if we don't hit a particular talking point. Um, you'll probably see us in the live stream hitting said point, mm -hmm. um, and we just kind of had to you know, pick and choose so we're not here all day. But yep. <laughs> anyway, um, let's hop into this. So number one. We have um, the Coon plan and plot to take out Rachel. But here's the kicker. It's against Bam's wishes, I guess. Or, like, really, it's we don't or know his what his wishes are. Yeah, or his knowledge. Thank yeah. you. That's better. He doesn't tell him, right? Yeah. That That's kind of the whole deal with this thing, which is very interesting because it's like, all right, so now there's this dynamic between – okay, is this going to cause a problem in the future, right? Is it going to be that bam, like, okay, I put let bygones be got bygones. I'm not, I don't have a problem with Rachel. Nothing like that. She doesn't mm -hmm. deserve death. And like Kuhn, like, why are you taking it upon yourself to do that when I didn't ask you to? You know what I mean? Like, just because you betrayed me, there might be more of a backstory, et cetera. And it's like, okay, is Kuhn foregoing the friendship and in, you know, in lieu of revenge, right? Trying to go for the revenge, the vengeance route and putting his friendship to the side. Mm -hmm. Or is it like, you know, you know, some, some thing where it's like, he doesn't, he, he thinks that this is the best thing to do for the friendship type thing, you know, or is it a mix of both? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Gavin? What do you got? I don't know. Like it's a, uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I forgot. What was the question again? <laughs> what do you think the, uh, Coon is Coon's plan going to backfire on him? Or do you think like, why are his, what are his motivations? So I do think, all right, so I feel like it's kind of SIU's doing his, like, due diligence to kind of put it forward that it is going to backfire. Like, I can't see a reason why Reun would say what she did without that kind of being, like, a signal being, hey, 
you doing this is going to fuck up with your relationship with Bam. Like, for me, that's just a red flag when they kind of, it's like, you always see that thing. If you put a fucking shotgun on a wall, expect it to be shot. Like, SIU, I feel like, is known for just, when he implements these little ideas where it's like, hey, this might be a problem in the future, 90% of the time, it turns out being a problem in the future. So for me, when this happened, my first thought was, Obviously, he's going to try to go along with this. Bam is going to step in between them in some way, shape, or form, or some way, shape, or form. The real, the real crux to all of this comes down to Bam's mature maturity at the end of it, because now he is recognizing that Rachel might be an enemy of his. However, that doesn't actually ensue that she deserves death in a sense, you know. So that's where this whole thing is going to really like hit its turmoil because fucking Coon is done. He wants her dead. Whether Bam want, likes it or not, he wants her to get that justice, in a sense. Bam, I feel, obviously, isn't going to want her to die. However, is still going to want to have that confrontation with him. So it's really going to come down to how far Kuhn is willing to go in Bam, like not having Bam's permission in any of this. And, again, how Bam is going to recognize it, whether he sees Rachel as you know, someone who can move on with her life and, you know, like kind of change for the better, which kind of is Bam's personality. He wants people to move on, figure out their feelings, and really just kind of like, he just has that personality now where he is willing to move forward and he accepts the way life is and how people are, but still looks for the goodness in people. Where obviously Kuhn, that ship has sailed. He doesn't think there is saving Rachel, so that's why she deserves death. Sure. So at the end of the day, I don't know to what extent it's going to test their relationship. However, it is going to go down some bad alley, especially with a confrontation from Kuhn and Bam, probably some like Mexican standoff. Like, what are you doing? And Kuhn's like, I'm doing what, you know, I think is best for myself with these kind of selfish like needs. And it's going to really come down to that interaction and whatever happens from there is going to determine their friendship, whether sure. Kuhn accepts it, steps back, things are good, or he pushes the envelope I wouldn't say kill Rachel. I feel like it's kind of, she's almost like an intricate part of this story at this point, at least for the future that she's going to live. I don't know, but it definitely is going to test their relationship. I don't know if it's going to destroy it though. I feel like it's going to definitely bring it down a couple rough patches, but Coon and Bam, dude, they're the ship and it's sailing. So you know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to go any further. So okay, I gotta, what do you think? Um, I don't so this is I really like this conflict because I think it's really tough to uh to like pick sides, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because so you have like Kuhn who, you know, has lived a very different life and, or has seen a different side of people and has thus formed a different perspective on how people operate inside this tower, right? And so it's made Kuhn to be someone like this, right? Who it's like you double cross him once and that's it. You're on his hit list, you're or his shit list and like you don't get any second chance. Like there is no such thing as redemption, right? Especially if you are somebody like Rachel, who is not doing something to like hurt them and being like, Oh shit, sorry, man, my bad. But like has proven that she's actively willing to try and fuck people over and sure. is not in any way, shape or form apologizing mm -hmm. for it. But then you have someone like bam, who like you want, I want to say is like the direct opposite, right? Where it's like, no, we're not killing anybody. Everybody here in this tower is worth redemption. So on and so forth. But it's, the whole like white knight argument of like Batman versus Joker here doesn't really a hundred percent apply because it's not like Bam has never killed anybody, mm -hmm. right? Bam's killed tons of people just to get from the floor of test all the way up to floor 20, right? When he was working as a Slayer nominee. So it's hard for me to, to buy the narrative a hundred percent that Bam 
that there is no scenario, let's put it this way, in which Bam would be okay killing Rachel. I don't think he would vouch for it. I don't think he would be the one that's like, we've got to kill her. Um, but I do think if push came to shove, he would be, he, I think he, if push came to shove, he might be willing, like put in a scenario where he's like, Rachel has to die. But I, but I think the conflict here isn't necessarily going to come from whether Rachel should die or not, because I think that is like almost irrelevant, right? It's the fact that Kuhn is formulating this plan without Bam's knowledge. It's the fact that he's going behind mm -hmm. his back because that indicates a, you know, a mis a miscommunication of trust, right? Mm -hmm. It's Kuhn, you know, indirectly saying, "Bam, I don't trust you enough to have you involved in this plan because I don't think you either a have what it takes to do this, or b I don't think it, when the time comes, if the time comes, you'd be willing or would let somebody else pull the trigger." And whether again that's true or not is like, you know, it's it's circumstantial. You know what I mean? It's it's not the point of where I think the center of the conflict is, and that's again just the fact that with Kuhn and Bam having the relationship they do with Kuhn still not being able to put that level of trust in a task like this in BAM, it, you know, once I'm assuming, once BAM inevitably finds out, will, I think, put a significant blow in their, you know, sure. relationship. I actually have some th thoughts, though. So have we seen, since BAM came back, mm -hmm. we've not seen BAM kill anyone, have we not? When you say come back, you mean like, um, like as Viol, battle? As Viol, Joe Viol Grace. He doesn't like. Does he? He don't. He doesn't yeah. kill anyone as Joel Viola Grace, does he? Who does he kill? He doesn't kill anybody like on panel that like has a name of importance. But it, it was. It's said and implied in panels when once we get like reunion everybody that like in order for Bam to train, he had to work his way up as a Slayer nominee and basically wipe out competition. Yeah, but I don't know. So I actually find so Slayer. Sorry, Fug's main. Uh, goal here is to get Bam to get up the tower, right? Mm -hmm. Is to pass the tests by whatever means necessary. So whether mm -hmm. that means he has to kill someone or whatever, the only one, the only person they really care about him killing is Jihad, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, they're really the ones that are wiping out other teammates and stuff like that if they deem them unworthy. But I actually think it's interesting and it does play a role in this um, uh, discussion here because I don't believe, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if I just... Maybe it's evading me at the moment, but I don't think Bam has actually been confirmed to have killed anyone as of yet. Well, am I wrong on that? I think so. I don't know a hundred percent. However, okay. when they were trying to get into the door keys with the tickets, remember when they flashed back to the panel and they're like, "This guy's a psycho" because he literally just like I looked like he iced all those people who were coming after them. Because remember those new teammates that they came up with? They're sure. like, "Holy shit, this guy's strong!" He just took out a whole fucking crowd of people, and I mean. It was a bloody mess, so well, it didn't really imply that they were dead that so I they remember. they do say explicitly in that panel that, okay. like, wow, this new kid knocked out everybody on this floor. They do imply that he didn't kill anybody on that floor. I'm talking about <clears throat> his time as Jewel Vile Grace yeah, when so, he was a Slayer nominee. So my oh. thing is that mm. it's never been explicitly stated Bam or Vile or Bam killed said person. Ever, I'm pretty so, sure it has. so I don't think it has. If if you could, if anyone, if anyone, again, I could be wrong, but I I cannot in my mind right now think of a panel or a phrase where anyone had said Bam or Viol killed someone. They all we know from when he's um, reintroduced as Viol on the twentieth floor is that he is at the twentieth floor. So whether whatever by whatever means, now he could have or couldn't. But the reason I bring that up is because I think that's very relevant to the discussion we're having right now. Because if we don't, if Bam hasn't killed anyone by this point, it could throw a potential wrench into the um, 
you know, the thought that, okay, Bam is not necessarily going to be like, uh, like he might, there might be a world where he's like, yeah, Rachel's got to go. I'm just upset. You didn't tell me. It might be more of like, I don't want you killing anyone. I don't want you killing Rachel. So, so me personally, I don't. So again, I feel like it's more, he can do what he needs to do. If it came down to it, I don't think that as much is a problem. I think it's just in general, he wants to, at at the end of the day, he isn't bloodthirsty. He doesn't want to kill people. I think that's pretty obvious. So Mm -hmm. if push came to shove and he needed to, to, you know, get to whatever his goals are and he has to, he will put the, pull the trigger and he will do it. But I think he is wants to be very limited in when that happens. Mm. And I feel like that's his character. However, to throw a little bit of a wrench into what Isaiah said before with like with Rachel, when Ryun brought up very recently where she's like, you got to get ready to be able to confront her because she's going to be on the train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of implied that he's been having a hard time sleeping and even kind of coping with that idea where that's where it comes. Like for me, that's where it comes down to where I think just the idea of her possibly dying is really kind of putting a knot in his stomach or even confronting her because like he just doesn't know how to mentally process everything that happens because yeah. of just the in the emotional abuse that this kid's just been fucking torn through. Sure. He doesn't know really what's right or wrong in this scenario at this point. So mm-hmm. like Kuhn then going and kind of picking the answer for him without him being able to fucking figure out his own mental state in it. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel so, like so that's, that, so that's actually my main gripe actually okay. with Kuhn in this scenario. And I when we were doing the live stream, I was going like eh like kind of just messing with you guys really because i was like i get it you know and you're like what "Eh." and like well that's what i'm thinking though like Mm -hmm. i don't and i know you were saying that it's like you know it's like well it's not necessarily a good thing it's just a cool thing you know what i mean like this is cool it shows part of coon's character but um just in general i don't really vibe with what coon's doing at all here um and i do think if there's a person to be selected to be put in the wrong if we were to select one it would be coon over like you know okay bam like you need to grow up you're being naive versus coon where because like i feel like right now coon especially when it comes to bam being ironically that he's his friend is almost putting like doesn't have full trust in that bam will be able to decide what coon believes is the right outcome and i think that's where coon right now has definitely is definitely making a mistake in the sense that i don't think he trusts bam enough to actually tell him the truth and what he's doing and he underestimates how much bam has grown in that in you know the time that they've been separated um, because he, and now to be fair, Bam is very conflicted to be fair, but I don't know if Kuhn has the right to kind of make that decision for him. Well, I don't think, you he, know, I mean, he definitely doesn't have the right. I think that's prime partially where he's in the wrong here again is like taking the decision away from Bam to even like, you know, make to make the decision, right. Sure, Whether yeah. Bam wants to kill Rachel or not at the end of the day, if he's confronting her should be Bam's decision, not somebody else's, mm-hmm. um, but again, I don't think it's it's really like that. That sort of ties into this idea of trust again, of like Bam being the conflict here between Coon and Bam is because is would be Bam realizing that Coon doesn't trust him. Whether it's to make yeah, that kind yeah. of decision, whether it's to pull the trigger and kill Rachel, whether it's to let somebody else do it. Again, the subject of it doesn't matter. the The end goal here is that like Bam being upset with Coon because this panel and this you know plan of coons clearly does show whether you know you are somebody that wants to admit it or not that coon that he doesn't right because otherwise why wouldn't he tell him this is a pretty big deal and and whether coon's feelings of rachel aside coon knows how significant of a person rachel is to bam Mm -hmm. so again this is a very clear sign that like and again from coon's upbringing this is the way he is right like you fuck him over once and you're done sure but that's not bam clearly Mm -hmm. right and so it's a severe lack of trust in coon being like 
no, I've seen this woman hurt you. I've seen her hurt us. I've seen that she's willing to hurt innocent people. Like she's, she's a snake for, she's got to go. And, and, and bam being like, you know, again, we don't know. We don't know really where his head's at. All we know Mm -hmm. is quite literally he's, you know, conflicted about it. He's in the middle, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important that like this con, I think it's important that this conflict, um, be something that stays like for a while. Sure. You know what I mean? Like whatever happens this, I, it can't, because otherwise it doesn't really, matter like you know what i mean it's it's a moment that happens where sure. it's like oh you're gonna do that and it's like yeah sorry and it's like oh, okay no but like you know what i mean if you give this time to fester where it's like coon's got this whole grandiose you know what i mean plan yeah, to yeah. overthrow rachel and bam doesn't know any of it and it's been like i mean we know time is weird here but like it's been years or sure. you know what i mean um you know then you have the call for like some real like bam being like coon it doesn't matter what happened the, the, fat, the fact of the matter now is that like i don't know if i can trust you right exactly because rachel is somebody that proved that she doesn't deserve trust but bam doesn't want that for coon he doesn't want that for that so for coon to do that it's like this weird like falling into that same trap yeah yeah Mm -hmm. very interesting anyway so moving on um that was a fun talking point um so the next point we wanted to get to was uh rion and her conversation with uh yan where she was talking about um wang nan and referring to him as the worst mistake that the 10 great families in jihad had ever made so this is very interesting, right? Because it kind of, I mean, it, you know, they've been leaving like little breadcrumbs, cl- you know, in terms of like who Wang Nan is Pretty and big like, in you my know, opinion. yeah, like, yeah, a little big, know. you know, they could be some people might be like, oh, okay, it's pretty damn obvious. Mm-hmm. Regardless, though, we've been get we've been fo- we've been following the trail, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, clearly Wang Nan is someone more so than even he might realize that he is, yeah. and this is kind of again confirming that, um, especially through Rian, who who knows virtually the has the most knowledge out of this entire group mm-hmm. um you know what i mean like mm-hmm. out of anyone that we've exactly. ever seen so so this is what i find interesting about reune's character going forward is that she has the most knowledge right uh inherently out of the group but something that's oh, that i love about these kinds of characters these guides or these fortune tellers if you will who are like yeah i know what's going to happen is most of the time, or at the very least, I feel like in order to go down the path of like what I feel would be a more engaging story is that like Ryun doesn't know what's going to happen beat for beat, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know who's going to do what, when they're going to do it, why. But much like a fortune teller, she has a very solidified, like silhouetted vision of the future, right? She knows the events that have to happen. And her job as the guide is to make sure those events play out. She doesn't know who's going to be where and why they're going to cause those set events to happen, but she knows those events are going to happen one way or another if she does, if she plays her role right. So I actually like the idea that her using her role as the guide, because A, it's a rare position, it's not something that like every other person in the tower has, um, as leverage, literally, right? Because she like she could say stuff like this or even with the, um, um, the thing she says with Bam later where she's like, oh, like some of your teammates are going to die. Now it's not. She does not a hundred percent say the new teammates you recruit are going to die. Her words are your teammates are going to die. Technically, that's a lot of niggas that we're talking about. Like, <laughs> so what I think is interesting is that, like, again, we could play to go down this role of this arc, and it turns out that somebody dies, but it's not someone you thought. And then, bam, trying to throw this back at Reunion, it's like, oh well, what do you like? You you told me what was going to happen, and she's like, no, I told you, like, I told you the events are going to happen. You know, I didn't say who was going to die. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess what I'm getting at here is that I. I I find it very interesting the way that she talks because I feel like it's even implied in her literal dialogue that like she never ever says anything outright to anybody. She always says things like, you know, 
her messages or her words are just cryptic enough for you to get and like sort of pick up on this trail, but it's also like just enough for you to be like, wait, what was that? Like, what did that, was that, you know what I mean? So I feel like, but I feel like with this whole Wang Nan thing, it's, it's something completely different because I know SIU, or at least I've gathered from this story so far, is like the man likes his red herrings. He likes to like sort of throw you for a loop or, or make you think that something's going to happen and then turn it on you. But I feel like if this man doesn't come out in an interview and tell me that Wang Nan's not the Prince of Jihad, like I'm not going to buy it because there's enough things that have happened to where if he's not, I'm personally going to feel a little cocked. I'm going to feel like, oh, I'm going to, that's like a little bit like this whole thing that we'll get into later with the, the Yuri thing. And, and could you, that one is like up in the air. And mm-hmm. I do think that that could be a good example of a red herring. It's like to throw you off the trail. Cause it's like, oh, you had enough in there to sort of throw me foot. But like this, I'm like, dog, <laughs> like, I'm like, bro, he's, he's gotta be. So my th- my theory here with what she's saying is that she, the words she uses here are he's the, about the worst mistake the 10 great families of Jihad have ever made. My running canon theory here is that Jihad, and by extension the ten, the heads of the great families, probably aren't keen on making many mistakes, right? They're probably not people who are like, oh, we fucked up this thing? Nah, whatever. <laughs> we'll sweep it on the rug. You know, they're probably people who are like, did you not tape that? Blow, like, get it off. Get it off. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't, they can't leave any room for error because they not only are they on the top, but they've, they're eternal, right? So they've been running this, this shit forever now. So the slightest hiccup, right? The slightest room they let someone get in and they risk losing this whole thing, or at least the version of it they have now. So I think that Wang Nan is the worst mistake that they've ever made because he's an unknown factor to them. He's the prince of jihad by whether it be blood right or whatever, but he's somebody who by their means doesn't exist. They don't even know his presence. They don't know that somebody with King Jihad's blood is trying to run up the tower. They don't know that this person who, you know, whether he's a direct descendant or whatever, um, this person who has this much much potential is alive and, like, has what it takes to either overthrow Jihad or, or whatever. I think her referring to Wang Nan, because when I, we read it initially, I was like, oh, she she might mean the fact that he was born, right? He might be, like, a bastard son to Jihad or whatever. But I, I quite literally think that, you know, again, just interpretation. What she means is that he's a mistake because he's an unknown variable. He's something that they can't account for, at least not yet. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. that's a pretty good theory. Honestly, I have really nothing to rebuttal it currently. You yeah, it? yeah, no. And I, it's weird because the more that we figure, like the more that we go into it, I almost feel like it is drilling to the fact that he is almost like, because obviously he's a mistake by the 10 great families at some point, And I feel like it would almost imply that he would have to be a bastard of some sort mm. like to the family, whether it's from King Jihad himself or maybe from, like, some of the, like, there was a thing going on with, like, the leaders of the Ten Great Families, like, with maybe something happened between, like, the two heads, and, like, you know, he came out, and it was almost like a no- an Anak story, you know, where they just, like, all right, they shipped him off and, you know, tried to just get rid of him, and somehow he survived, you know, just the culmination of life. And I guess what comes with that is, it goes from the beginning of when we meet Wang Nan. It was on the 20th floor. He was living alone. We didn't know anything about him. We don't know who raised him. We don't know his upbringing. He doesn't know anything about himself either. Yeah. So I guess my question is when we get more to his backstory in terms of who like kind of raised him from infancy, what happened afterwards to where he felt like he needed to leave on his own and where does his latent ability come into picture and like how does he figure that out? Is it like an awakening moment? Is it just him literally just fucking putting his pedal to the metal, working hard, and then realizing he can like pick up stuff on like pick up things faster or what. I'm more curious on where like he starts to connect the dots in his own journey and starts to really figure himself out and how that plays into his role. Because I keep on thinking back to um 
the gamer princess when she makes a comment saying like, "Oh, the prince of the jihad is coming back," and she like made a com- she like made a comment where she's like, "He's really cute" or something like she has physically seen him in some sort of relevance. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but like this was from a while remember, ago. Yes, I remember her referring to the prince of jihad, the prince being of jihad. Cute, but again, yeah. I don't think I think who the tower thinks the prince is is not. They don't think it's Wang Nan, but I think Wang Nan is. So, so you I think it's more like a figurehead almost who, like, the current one is, and then Wang Nan is, like, the real one in a sense? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to wait until that plays out. Yeah. I, I feel like Gamer Girl is a little bit smarter than they play her out to be, where she, like, might actually know what's yeah. We're Wang actually going to get into her in a, uh, in a oh, Rebelista, true. by the way. Oh, Rebelista, 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 that's it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so the next one we actually wanted to talk about was Repolista. Uh, what are her motivations? What are her intentions? Why do why does she and her butler want Yuri to go on this journey to go find Bam, right? Why did she give them the ticket? How did she get the ticket? All of these things are very interesting. Why does she have Jihad's guards outside? When she like, Why is she so secretive about the whole thing? What the hell is going on with this girl? So, mm-hmm. Gavin, you said you just had some thoughts, so I'm curious to know them. Well, it's more, it's weird because I have like no thoughts on this chick. And as weird, <laughs> and no, so I have, I, have an ex- I have an explanation for that because like I feel like she has just been such a wild card compared to every, every character that we have like been displayed so far. You have some thoughts and you know, you can pin together some things off their personality in terms of like how they think, they're just their plain personality, how they interact with people. And we have seen not a lot of her in general. Like she's one of the most like undershown characters. Only a few panels and chapters have she's have she actually been seen. So like I can't really tell what reason she would have for any of this. Like, and that's obviously on purpose. Like SIU wants to keep her more of a mystery on the background, you know. You show her a couple times to keep the flame going and, like, show her presence because it is, like, necessary for her to be there. There is importance. But, like, even with having Yuri go and find that weird pig flower crystal thingy, the Zegna, like, even then she went through, got it, you know, Yuri sent her a picture and she's like, oh, sweet, like, I just thought it looks cute online, like, to you to get, you know? And obviously that has a reason, but even getting that information, I'm like, what really was the point, you know? Was it, like, to just get Yurek, like... I like that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Like even even what she is having Yuri do for me, there's not enough information to actually point my thought in a direction to where anything makes logistical sense. Like even with sending her to Bam on the Hell Train, like that was the favor that Yuri had asked her, and now she is delivering that favor. And when they brought up the whole idea where oh well maybe there's a reason that she's sending Yuri there, mm-hmm. I'm like okay, what was that reason other than literally fulfilling what Yuri wanted, or was she like withholding knowing prior right, yeah. to get to this point? And yeah. like, is that maybe to help Bam along in that process? And even then, what does she have with Bam? Like, does she really care at the end of the day? And what? And it's like, it's so hard because I just feel like we have no information on her that I really yeah. just don't know. It's I think it's, if it's we hard. piece together the info we do have on her, uh, unfortunately, we're not much higher in the poll than like if we had nothing. Yeah. But so what I think is interesting about uh, her is that in this tower, right, the the atmosphere the the world that exists in it has been established that there's really one of three reasons why people interact with somebody ever right Mm -hmm. one you do something for somebody because they need you want them to do something for you Mm -hmm. two this person you need to betray or backstab or fool or or convince of of something else um and so you need to coerce them into another way of being thinking existing whatever um or you need like you need to team up with them because you have a common like enemy or whatever yeah that's really it Right. And so what we've seen of this woman 
very surface level comes off as sort of like this chaotic neutral agent, right? Like you were saying, she's like, oh yeah, I'll go find, uh, you know, I'll help you find Bam, but like, I want you to get me um, a baby Zegna. And then Yuri sends her the picture and she's like, I don't really want it. I just think it's cute. It's like, really? Because that was a lot of work. Like, Yurek <laughs> yeah. is not a weak guy, but like, he did have to go through all that shit to get, like that wasn't, it was kind of a lot of work for you to just be like, ah, nah, whatever. Yeah. So it's interesting. And, and again, like you said, and in return for that, it would appear like she's kind of doing Yuri a pretty big solid because not only did she find out where Bam is, but she got Yuri access to get to Bam. Mm -hmm. Now we know that Yuri as a ranker is not allowed to step foot on the hell train. So not only did she find where Bam was, but she got a way for Yuri to get in to where Bam is and has orchestrated, you know, or semi orchestrated this plan in order to get Yuri to be on the hell train to like to a point where she can be on it. My thing is that, like, I definitely think you're right. We haven't seen all her cards, and there's clearly something in this. There is something in this for her that she's not, whether she's not willing to tell Yuri or whoever, or, you know, we're just not supposed to know. Because my thinking is that uh, Alurek and um, her would not want... They, I think they know that if Yuri found out Bam was alive, she would, do, like, she'd do nothing, you know, nothing would get in her way to go find and, and exactly. uh, see Bam. So they know that by telling Yuri that Bam's alive, that's the only like outcome that could come of that. And we even see that little conversation with Evan and Alluric before that Evan's like, What do you what's the plan here? Like why are you telling Yuri that like mm -hmm. this boy is alive? You're gonna get her hopes up. Like, what do you what do you guys want? And so I clearly there again, there's there is some ulterior motive that is obvious enough to see, but it's like again, I don't have enough info on either of them to really pinpoint yeah. like which what it is that they're getting out of it because let's not forget also way back at the beginning of uh, season two when yuri initially comes to her for this request she's like i need you to do me a favor uh ripalista is the one who's like oh you need me to find that irregular who died on the floor of test before yuri even says anything mm -hmm. which means we know that she knew of bam's existence before mm -hmm. yuri came back to the tower yes. or came back to that floor so there is some link between yuri ripalista and bam I don't know what it is, and I don't know if we have enough pieces in this puzzle to put that together, or I'm just not seeing it. But hmm. th like, there is some inherent reason that s there is something she could potentially or or woefully will gain from Yuri meeting Bam. That like, you know, that's something that's going to benefit her out of this. Otherwise, I I really don't know if she would do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she kind of sketches me out. There's something. There's yeah, something going yeah. on. There's some, obviously some sort of arterial motive. Um, and I don't know if she's trying to dupe Yuri into something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she's trying to catch her in a like plan that. because it's like, why go through, I don't know, just the fact that they've never shown her eyes either, <laughs> you know, like I seriously, I mean that. Don't trust it's a bitch like, with no eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean like <laughs> they're, they're hiding her face, you know, for something yeah, yeah. where it's like, this might be even a character that we've seen before or, you know, character that we are, you know, going to see soon Maybe. or whatever. I mean, we know that that was a similar tactic with Bam. Right, his whole identity as Jufail Grace was weirdly largely defined by his hair. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, he's this crazy monster." Yeah. But then, like you know, when you would see Bam, he sure. was Bam, right? He was that innocent yeah. kid, and it's like, yeah, I think uh, I think she's leading Yuri into something, and I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I kind of. And agree. I don't think it's overwhelmingly positive. Is basically <laughs> what I'm saying. No, yeah. Or or if it is positive, it's not positive. To, for the sake of Yuri, it's positive for the sake for, of Ripalista. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah. I need you to find Bam because maybe I need yeah. you to be the cannon that I point at whoever I yeah. want to because you're just going to obliterate anyone or not. But I don't think the motives are all there. I don't if trust her. Anything, we know that Yuri is one of the princesses 
who, you know, is not about the current system at play in the tower here. Mm -hmm. So if anything, this might be a way to take Bam the Irregular, one of the only people that this tower knows could kill Jihad, Yuri, somebody with the power of a princess who does not agree with or at the very least does oppose the system, put them in the same place and ax them both. You know what yeah. I mean? That or alternatively, she could also share them in that mindset where she maybe wants change in the tower. And so doing this and having Yuri meet Bam on a place like the Hell Train where it is so hard to get through, sending Yuri directly there and waiting for this point is almost like a fail switch in yeah. terms of getting Bam through it safely yeah. and, you know, just kind of secure his route in getting higher yeah, up the it's tower. It's kind of like what you were saying so. last week where you were like, if people high up in the tower know of Bam's existence, mm -hmm. they might just come down and be like, we got to squash that bug. Yeah. But who's not to say then that other people other higher people. in the tower who do fuck with Bam, mm -hmm. i.e. Yeah. Yuri, obviously, but maybe uh, Repelista are like, no, let's go help him out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she could literally be just be sending Yuri's back. That's the thing. Tower of God it's, has yeah. always made it so that I'm like, I don't want to write off or write on any character immediately. Like, I've got them pegged because, quite frankly, even just looking at this, it's like, I don't know what this chick's about, dude. I, I can't pin it down, quite frankly, but I, I know that there's there's a long con at play here, you know? Yeah, Thanks. I don't know. I'm there for it, though. All right, so next we wanted to share our thoughts on the boy Boro. Um, mm -hmm. Right? I got Boro, that. Yeah. Boro, right? Yeah. Boro. Uh, love the simplicity Papa in this man's Boro. name, first of all. But um, he is a D-rank regular, obviously, Shinsu martial arts, experience level. Um, and this guy's very interesting in, in his, like, approach to everything. We find out that this is the third time that he's going on the hell train, which it's mm -hmm. like, why? You know? Yeah. Um, he has incredibly great detective and deductive skills, mm -hmm. like really good. Because he doesn't even know what Emily is, and he's able to basically do all the kind of things that people are asking Emily to do for them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. And he's clearly very strong because we see the guy that had just nabbed two tags, and clearly these are the top 100 people in this test. Um, and he kills him with ease. He splits the dude right in half. So mm -hmm. interesting guy, <laughs> um, for sure. What are our thoughts on him? Do we like him? Do we trust him? Um, I definitely like him, um, <laughs> but with Tower God, like and trust are becoming these things. things that, yeah, grow farther apart from me. Mm. Um, like, for example, Repelista, I kind of like that character. Do I trust her? Nah, with him in a mile. But, like, because I, and it it comes down to, again, sort of what we've been repeating in our previous conversation. It's like, I don't know enough about this man to be like, yeah, I would stake my life with him because I don't know for example, one of his big motivators, like you were saying, right, is that this is not his first time on the Hell Train. So what that tells us is that whatever is at the end of this Hell Train or whatever, wherever the Hell Train can get you to, to him is priority one, right? Sure. He's got to get there. Otherwise, literally, why would he put himself through this thing more than once? You know, he would it's, – it's stated that in the tower here, like, nobody's forcing you to climb the tower, right? So if he's going through this train repeatedly, it's because he has to get to wherever this train, like, drops him off at the end. Um but the other thing is his altercation with Fug, not by itself, but the fact that it immediately makes him hesitant of Bam and by extension Howard Reune and anybody associated with Fug does also say that not only is this a man who has a, a goal, right, and I need to get to the other end of this uh, train, but like, what is it? Why? What, is, what was it? What was what came of that altercation? And because it clearly put him in sort of the mind frame that he's at now, which we don't know, obviously, at the time of just meeting him, but he clearly is you know, I guess rightfully so, of somebody climbing the tower, hesitant of meeting people. Um, but despite, I, I guess, like, what in, what intrigues me is despite Bam's known association with Fug via Bam telling Boro, um, he doesn't immediately seem to write Bam off, um, but he does sort of keep that, like, cautious third eye on him of, like, mm -hmm. okay, you said we were here, but, like, you also, like, you know what I mean? 
Um, and so I don't know. I, I definitely think that there's more. Uh, I, I mean, there's obviously more to his character, but I definitely think that there is more to this character in terms of I don't think it's going to be kind of like a an arc raptor thing, which was the sort of character that I like weirdly instantly related him to when we met him of like, oh, he seems, you know, bad and sort of gangster and whatever, but, like, he's kind of got, like, a heart of gold under that, and you, you sort of, like, meet him and warm up to him. Um, I think this character is going to be a little bit more down the middle, a little mm-hmm. bit more of, like, kind of dipping his feet into both uh, ponds here, good and bad. Yeah, I can see that. Gavin, what do you think? No, yeah, I, I totally agree with it. And something that is oddly refreshing to me is seeing a character taking this much caution, especially with Bam in Reune, and obviously he knows fundamentally... A, a good amount of what's going on behind the scenes. He knows Fug. He's had interactions with them. He knows what they're capable of, what they do, and their purpose and goals that they have. Obviously, he has his own shit on the side. However, I think in a, a distinction that we've seen with a lot of, you know, evil or bad characters, you know, in terms of just the people that we met, a lot of them, personality-wise, are smart and able to capitalize on the interactions with other peoples to steer them in directions that favor them. Now, this is a person who has a lot of knowledge and, you know, understands very well how the tower works. However, he isn't going off the bat and jumping out and really trying to control or manipulate Ryun or Bam or anything. He is taking that caution. That caution is precedent. That is what is the most important. So for me, that actually throws a positive tick in his box because I feel like most bad people or evil people in this show tend to have hot heads and also tend to put themselves on a pedestal to where they almost okay. feel superior compared to other people, especially like Bam or Reun and something like that. So he comes off as very humble to the fact where he has to play this middle ground because if he steps out of line in either way, he knows he could be overwhelmed and outpowered and, you know, shit can go or stuff can go really crazy. So mm-hmm. for me, it actually seems like he might he might be a good character it's just he is trying to determine whether Bam Reun and the people who are associated around him are also good people, you know, because if they're bad and have ill intentions or anything like that, he doesn't want to get wrapped up in any of that mess. He has his own problems to worry about. So in my opinion, I feel like he actually might not be a terrible person. Yes, his goals are going to be number one, and he will probably kill and do whatever he needs to do to go and continue his goals. But inherently, I don't think he's going to try to manipulate bam or really anybody negatively unless it's for his goal in a sense and even then with just how cautious he is and like almost understanding of bam's power not even seeing it in full display just off of seeing him Mm -hmm. like he definitely in my opinion is going to play a larger role in this and be a more positive one comparatively speaking to a negative so that's just i guess my analysis on him i feel like just when people are very cautious in general especially when they're understanding they tend to have I shouldn't say better intentions, but they typically aren't bad people or at least the worst people in a sense. So I got a little bit of faith in him, but it's still, he's going to ride that middle line so it can go anyway. Sure. Yeah. All right. So moving on, uh, we have the discussion about uh, Ran. I want to include Ran, Beta, and uh, the Churro guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Daniel. In- Daniel. Papichura. Wow. He does have like the easiest name. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting some. What's his name? Arturo, uh, I mean, a nickname. It's Dan. <laughs> Daniel. Got it. Uh, and Daniel. Um, and the discussion of murder. Um, so this was something that came up in the live stream uh, where we had witnessed Ran massacre an entire train full of people. Beta did the same. There's a literal pile of corpses. 
Um, and then we see even a couple panels later that Daniel had done the same thing on a different train. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were kind of going over the discussion of, okay, (laughs) like, I don't know if you could just go around doing that, but a lot of what, you know, um, chat was saying, or, you know, some people in chat was that it was like, listen, killing is like a normal part of this tower. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like that, like it is what it is. Like, that's fine. I was a little more in the camp of like, okay, Ran, like you're kind of ticking my like crazy meter here. You know what I mean? Because like, there's, there's a bit, listen, I'm not a detective, but there's like a little bit of me. That's like thinking that you might just be having a little bit of fun with this. You know what I mean? And it's like, so I think that's the discussion and where it lies. I don't want to get in a huge argument over this because I already know this is a hot button topic in the live stream. Um, so we'll say what we got to say and then leave it at that. But I'm curious to know your thoughts. And if you think that you're willing to give somebody a pass based off of their popularity or past deeds on if they do the same thing as somebody else um, or what, where your dividing line is, right? Where it's like, okay, what was the context? What was the intentions? Uh, how much do I like this character? Do they normally do good things, et cetera? And like, do you give someone a pass over another, you know what I mean? When you see them do literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I was curious to know your guys' thoughts, if anyone's anything to say. I mean, um, I... So I right away, um, I think yes. I think it's hard to argue that even if you're not in the camp of like, yeah, they're like, uh, let's just say all three of them, right? But or even like one of them, um, that they're not uh, psychopaths. That this isn't psychopathic behavior, right? Because there's a very clear line between fighting or or killing. Let's say because that's the thing here, right? Anybody can fight. Only certain people will kill. Uh, in self-defense versus like, no, I'm going to kill this person because I genuinely like find joy out of taking this life, this person's life away from them. Now I do believe, I I believe that it's kind of funny that this is up for debate because I believe the debate is a little uh, redundant, quite frankly, because the tower has created the perfect environment where everybody has a scapegoat. If you are somebody like Rain or you are somebody like Beta um, who might enjoy and get straight fun out of fighting to kill and like fighting to the, to the last breath, um, that, you know, the argument of like, oh, well, you shouldn't be like that in a world like Tower of God might mean like, then you just don't get to live. Like you don't get to survive because it might come. And I'm sure a lot of fights, even that Rand maybe has been in and, and or not so much beta, um, but even Daniel, you know, we don't know a lot about his character, but I'm assuming he's been through some shit um, where if they didn't kill somebody, they were going to die. Right. So it's like that killer be killed and this tower has clearly built an environment where like you sometimes don't get a say in whether you take somebody's life or your own life gets taken as a result. And I get that. And I get the argument of then like, oh, well, it's not so much about like the environment they're in forcing them to kill. It's about them killing when they have the choice of if they want to take a life. In which I would say, you know, again, like, okay, yes, then I, I do believe that that puts people like Ran and Beta in a little bit more of the psychopathic camp. But I think writing them off as like a straight psychopath is like a little a little too far, I guess, because... Again, I believe people can have psychopathic tendencies and not straight up 100% be a psychopath sure, because, yeah. again, amongst this instance that we see both of them display, they have also both displayed clear instances of, like, you know, clear cognitive, like, thinking and behavior and, like, you know, clearly we've seen the way Rand thinks and the way Beta thinks and while they've been a little bit distorted or a little bit, you know, um, chipped away, let's say, right, by their prides or their, their perceptions of things, none of them, like, think illogically none of them think like crazy people none of them like they they both they have rational they have they have ways of thinking that do are like allow them to 
deduce and understand the situation they're in. Again, it's all about like their perceptions though that alter those things. So like, so real quick, I apologize for cutting you off, but let me rephrase the question here because um, I think I would be in absolute agreement with you and I would assume Gavin would too, based off what you were saying. And I guess for me, my question isn't not, is not necessarily, are they psychotic? Cause I don't believe they're psychotic. And if I use that word, I apologize. That wasn't a good way of explaining it. I guess the more simplistic question, but the more relevant one is, is he justified? Is he, is he, is what he did, is what he did, is what he is doing wrong? Or do you think, or is there an excuse for it? I, I It's tough because it kind of rolls back into like the Bam Coon thing we were talking about earlier, where it's like, sure. do you have, when you have a decision to take a life, what does it mean now to take a life? Because again, I think in this specific instance, like to be honest, yeah, I think they absolutely, if they were attacked first, if somebody instigated that fight, like they, Tower of God does this thing with like character deception, right? Where it's like you see a character like Rand and you're like, oh, that little baby kid, dude, we could fucking take him. Let's get five guys. But like, no, he's actually strong enough to kill everyone on this train. You don't know that though until you get up in his, his grill and start fighting him. But by then it's too late. You've already given him instigation. You've given him a reason to fight back. And after that, we have the claim of self-defense, if anything. Now, again, do I think that this behavior is justified outside of context like this, where it's like, let's say Rand was the first one to make the, the blow. That one is a little bit tougher in my mind because it's like I, that one comes down a little bit more, at least to me, to context of like, all right, who is he fighting, though? Like, why is that person, you know, is that person trying to fight? Like, you know what I mean? Because, you know, there's part of me as a somewhat rational being, human being, right, that wants to be like, no, if you have the choice to kill somebody, like choosing to kill them because you're like, I, I want to. Like, that's wrong. <laughs> that, that, you know, there's something wrong with that. But again, I think like I, I catch myself doing that with these characters all the time and not giving them enough credit because I'm like, well, the worlds we live in, though, are like literally different. We grew up in different like, you know, what I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say that, like. Rand, that's wrong of you to think like that if you're in a situation that doesn't call for it. But then again, like, is that not the whole point of like the theme of this of this series? Right. With Bam, where it's like if you don't try to find another way to do this this cycle is just going to keep repeating. So it's like, I guess ultimately I'd have to say no. If we're, if we're taking this context out of it, if it's not a situation where he's being attacked first, um, I do think it's, it's wrong to like instantly jump to like, all right, I'm going to kill this dude. Like, you know, because I can. Mm. Gavin. Yeah, no, I mean, there are a lot of those things. I think the distinction that made it for me, which is why I considered Dan a psychopath over Ran was from the information that SIU gave where it was seemingly in self-defense in that they were attacking and he was like, yeah, they were attacking me. I'm just going to kill them all. You know, I'm not playing any games comparatively. When we had Dan, where you literally had a guy back against the wall screaming, you know, for mercy in my mind, I wouldn't see ran going and killing him. If somebody like that other character was begging for his life. And the reason behind that is ran. I feel like many characters that I've seen in just other, um, you know, whether anime or mangas or anything in between, he tends to be one of those people who likes to fight people just for the fact that they're strong and he wants to put his back against the wall and feel the thrill of just unleashing all of his power. Like that's and that came clear to the fight with the Guardian because even his teammates were like, "Yo, this kid is literally smiling and having a good time." Like Ran likes going ham and fighting people who are super strong. With that said, this comes back to when we first meet him with whatever that guy's name is on Kuhn's team. The spear bearer, 
Novik? Uh, Novik. Remember when Novik just, all he wanted to do was fight Rand, and Rand's like, no, I don't want to fight you. No, I, w- I don't want to fight you. Because his mindset is in the camp of he doesn't want to fight anybody who is lower than him in standards, especially if he knows them, you know? If they're in a case where they're fighting him and it's, like, literally blocking where he needs to go, he's going to kill them. However, if they're not going to give him the time of day in a fight, he couldn't care less. And he doesn't care whether they live or die. He's just going to pretend like they don't exist and keep on walking by, like what happened with Novik. However... When he reaches somebody who potentially has a lot of power, like this Guardian, he is 100% willing to go out because he wants that thrill, and that's really what just makes him happy, is getting that thrill for a fight. Comparatively speaking, we have Dan, who literally just enjoys killing people, and it doesn't matter whether they beg for their life or not, he is just going to kill them. So I guess that's where it's differentiated in my mind. Rand just likes killing for the thrill, or likes fighting for the thrill of it, and the stronger they are, the more happier they like he is. However, I don't think that he would kill people, especially if they're weaker than him. You know, stronger than him, and he has an excuse to fight. He's going to go for it, and that for me is the justification that it goes there. But that's all I got to really add on his character. What do you think? Uh, I would disagree, and I think this panel, if anything, is probably the one thing that really puts a nail in the coffin for me. Um, where he says specifically, this place is really convenient. I get to kill people as much as I want just by having this ticket on me. I think this is kind of what drove it home for me. Uh, we use the example of Dan, which we see Daniel kill his folks after we see Ran. So we had this we had this discussion in the live stream, and then we saw Daniel. And Daniel's has seemed to be played up to be a little more gruesome in the fact that there's like throat slashing and the guy was screaming. Um, but I don't think that Ran is... Um, that far off because I do think the last guy that he killed is maybe not in the same exact scenario, but a pretty similar one in the sense that I immediately, the second I see that guy on panel, um, when he's like, you're a monster, like, Oh my gosh, you're crazy. The guy's given up. Like that guy's done. He's finito. He's finished. You know what I mean? And like, he's proverbially like backed into a corner in the sense that like the guy isn't, you know what I mean? Like he's not doing anything. He's essentially saying like, without saying it, like, Dude, you know what I mean? Like, we're done. Like, don't kill me. Um, And Ran kills him and not only kills him, but kills him quite gruesomely. He electrocutes him to death. And I don't know if anyone's been electrocuted, but it's not a pretty way to go out. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not a pretty way to go out at all. Um, So, uh, you know, I think that I don't know if... Again, I'm not calling. I'm not saying Ran's a bad person because it's not as black and white as that, right? And we've seen Ran do some pretty good, good things, I guess. Um, but I think there's motivations and I think in this scenario, um, I would, I mean, I, well, no, I don't even have to assume. I know that everyone on that train was weaker than him. Um, and he slaughtered them. Now they did attack him. So that's very fair. There's Mm -hmm. a self-defense. Someone comes on your lawn. They come to rob your house. They come with a gun. You got a gun, you shoot them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like depending on your state, but you get my point, right? Um, so I definitely see that. I'm not trying to be like, no matter what guy comes out with you with a knife, like you can't do anything. Even if that person is smaller than you, right? If somebody half your size comes up and goes to stab you in the leg with a knife, like mm-hmm. I'm fine with you punching that guy right in the head, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But I do think there's something to be said um, in the sense that Rand doesn't seem to have a scratch on him during this. Um, that's well, a, he does. Somebody well, else's blood. Somebody else's, yeah. Yeah, somebody else's blood. So he doesn't, he's basically undamaged at all. He's basically unfazed. Mm-hmm. The guy didn't even have to breathe. He probably could have held his breath the entire time, slaughtered all of them. Um, and like, I think there is where you, you pull the like, really the moral dilemma for me because it's like, Ran is clearly so much stronger than everyone that attempted to do something to him on it that it's like an overexertion of power. Like, so you put like Bam in that scenario and like Bam could clearly wipe all these people out as easily, if not easier than Ran did. But like, 
don't think Bam goes that route, right? And like I would be, I'd bet a lot of money to say that. And um, I think that's kind of the difference in character there, in the sense that it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to exert the amount of power that you did to prove your point. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you could have probably spared. 50 75 percent of that those people um and again i think this quote is what really makes me think because at first it might have been like okay well it might have been really close and like whatever but like i think personally uh the fact that he says i get to kill as many people as i want just by having this ticket it's really convenient and he's like undamaged makes it like a little weird and and the argument that's pervaded a lot you know is uh we actually i saw this in chat a lot that's the tower they're like okay this is the tower this is where we live there's an excuse okay that that's that's a that's a very fair argument because there are scenarios in which it's it's a war zone right like we're in America right mm-hmm. now and we are pretty safe relatively in our bubble here um, but you know there are places in the Middle East um, you know in other parts of the world that are literal war zones right mm-hmm. and I don't I, I never really took the excuse of this is the tower um, personally because I think there are literally parallels that you could draw to in like real world. And I don't think that many people would be willing to excuse the actions of someone re- like in a, in a real life scenario if they were put in that same thing. So like, you know, if a hundred, you know, if a hundred people run at someone with a machine gun, you know what I mean? And the guy mows down 50 and then the other 50 are like, oh shit, and run away. And you know what I mean? He mows the extra 50 down. Like that's kind of what I, I see at the end of the day, the no. weird thing that like kind of, that I, I get what you're saying is that like, whether Rand can kill people or not, um, it's not even really the fact of, like, why he's killing them. It's the fact that, like, he would want to kill them, mm-hmm. right? So he says, I get to kill people, sure, yeah. not I have to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, if you think about, like, Bam, that's probably the stance he would take of, like, I don't want to do this, but I might have to kill these people. Where mm-hmm. Rand says, I get to kill people, which hints, obviously, at a a perception and a mindset of like, sure. Oh boy, I hope I get to kill these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is inherently more psychopathic than someone like Bam's mindset. But I do also believe it is still less psychopathic. And if we're judging this on a scale here, than someone like Daniel, who I believe literally gets like a thrill out of like torturing and watching. Like, I don't know if I think Bam, I mean, all these fucking names, dude, I think ran <laughs> getting to, kill people is not about like watching people scream. It's not like he doesn't derive the pleasure out of like watching somebody's life get snuffed out. It's a superiority complex thing. It's sure. it's watching. It's him knowing mm-hmm. that he bested this person to the point where he took their life. The most valuable thing, arguably to some people yeah. that you could have, he took from them because he was stronger than them. So he could do it. And, I think mm-hmm. that's the difference between someone like him and Daniel, where Daniel, I think is a little is a much more dangerous element because he, quite literally likes killing people just to watch people die. And I think that's like a different, yeah, and like, uh, you know, that's yeah. a different thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess for me, I didn't see, I guess it's like chalked up that Daniel's supposed to be the much worse person, right? Like, yeah. if, right. you know, if anything, obviously like the, the writing is intended for that. Mm-hmm. So like, it'd be stupid of me to say, you know, and like <laughs> die on the hill of defending Daniel, like, cl- cause clearly, but I guess what I'm saying is that like, just by Rand's actions and words in said scenario, I don't actually, like, I don't think he's very, um, he's not very, I don't think he goes with that, like, I don't think he gets a pass. Um, and I think that he actually is closer to Daniel in that sense, in that, like, maybe it's not necessarily to, like, hear them scream, but it's definitely, I get to kill as many people as I want. And again, I think, like, you know, 
I don't know. Just the fact that he has the power in his arts. I already said my point. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I have a quick one, and it's sure. analyzing the same quote. And it's, sure. again, a differential factor for me was mm-hmm. I get to kill people as much as I want just by having this ticket on me. So for me, it solidifies it with just having this ticket. As in with Daniel, it doesn't matter whether he has a ticket or not. He is going to be killing people. This, and the reason why he sa- is saying this is because by having this ticket... By extension, people are going to be coming after me, giving me an excuse to kill people. Mm-hmm. You know, if he didn't have this ticket, he wouldn't just go out to kill people because that's not within his personality. But if people are coming after him, it's free game. And that's the differential factor for me is that now people are coming after him because he has this ticket. Now I can kill people where you have Dan, where honestly, tickets are irrelevant. He is just killing people to kill people. Well, and- he does. He To be fair, Dan... Dan actually like Dan's mission is to get tickets when when yes. he's sent on the train. So yes. to be fair, like he they have similar motives um, in that sense that it's like okay, like I'm getting tickets or preventing somebody from getting said ticket. Motives, yes, but again, I still like for me the characters are different in the fact that just the way that he watches him suffer and is okay with it. Like Rand is going to kill people to kill people, yes, but mm. he is finding an excuse to kill people compared to I just feel like Dan. You know, would be more willing yeah, to go out yeah. of his way. I, I to guess do at it. the end of the day, and this is where I'll leave it, is yeah. that regardless of if you need an excuse or you just do it, I don't think that makes Rand more excused or a better person in that sense. I just think that he's just, you know, he's he's justifying it in whatever way that he deems fit, whatever helps him sleep at night or whatever helps us like rally to his side. But I think at the end of the day, whether you find an excuse to do it or you just do it you did it. You know what I mean? And like that, that's for me, that's where yeah. I'll leave it off. That's my opinion on the end of yeah. the day, at the end of the day. It's personally. definitely like, I yeah. think fucked up no matter, like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, Cause he yeah. is at the end of the day, he's killing people. And, and you know, I think, I, I think it, at least for me, it's like if Dan, if somebody gave Dan a ticket and they're like, here's my ticket. Don't kill me. He probably killed him anyway, where I don't know if I could say that for Rand. That's like, fair. If they gave him the ticket, that. I think mm-hmm. he'd let them go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, like, again, I guess if you had to grade their morals, yeah. um, that's what would put Rand a little bit higher for me. But, again, a little bit higher. Like, he is willing to take a life, and he is willing to do it sort of out of the superiority sport complex. Sure. Um, but, yeah. No, very fair. Some fucked up dudes. <laughs> all right, for real. All right, so the next point that we have um, after all that is, uh, I forgot her name. What the hell's her uh, name? Her what name is her is name? Honey Yu. Honey Yu. Honey Yu. Honey Yu. Look at this yeah. beautiful The pink-haired, um, like, train... Uh, Light bearer, <laughs> yeah, lady, yeah. I don't really know much. I don't about know it. who just kind of gets inserted into this storyline just by Proxy. default like, because yeah, she by survived. <laughs> so there's that, um, which is interesting, and you know what we think about her, and um, if she is more than what she seems to be on the surface. I know we had some theories with that, but then it kind of like transitioned into somebody else, which we're going to talk to a little bit later, yeah. um, and just like what our general thoughts on her are. I, I have a couple. I'll just start off. Um, I have no clue whether she's, you know, feigning to be somebody else, whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Honestly, I was going to like try and come up with a thing. I, I really, I just don't know. Uh, she's just a person at this point, but, but, but. She it, got legs and arms. Yeah, like that's it, dude. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but um, I do appreciate if she is not someone that's undercover. Um, uh-huh. which I, some tell me she's not, but I don't have any evidence to back that up. Um, I do appreciate how they, I don't know, incorporate this very real human element of like, everyone has a story type thing. Yes. And it was like very heartwarming for me to see, especially when they're on, I don't have the panel in here, but when they go to, um, 
they're like sitting down and she's mm -hmm. talking about her dreams of becoming a pop star or mm -hmm. like an, uh, an idol singer. Um, and like who she looks up to and like the things that she does. And like, to me, that was like super wholesome in that moment because I was like, you know yeah. what? It's nice to see that like this average, I mean, she's D rank. So like, let's be honest here. She's pretty damn strong just yeah. in general to, to get there. I mean, in the world we're at at the moment. Um, but anyway, besides the point, it's cool to see that it's like, even for that brief second, they kind of like stepped out of your, uh, your zone for a second. And you're like, everyone has a story, you know, everyone has yeah. a role to play. Everyone has a life. Everyone has like struggles and achievements and all these things that you have no clue about. And yeah. it's like blows my mind about that sometimes because you just think about, I relate it to real life. And that's why it was so wholesome to me. Cause I relate that to real life. And it's like crazy when you see all these people walking down the street or whatever the case is. And it's like every single one of those people has a story to tell, you know? And it's like, it's just super interesting to me. And it's like, sometimes you never know what that story is or what interesting stuff. Like I was going, uh, I was, I got gas the other day and, uh, I was going a tangent. No, I'm just, okay. well, no, no, no. I think it, fuck you. I think it relates no, to, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I think it relates yeah, make to Make sure this. we don't go on tangents. It goes on tangent immediately. Uh, okay, whatever. I'm, uh, um, I'm saying, I went to the gas station the other day. We're in New Jersey. And um, so we don't, you know, the, we have a gas attendant there that pumps our own gas. Um, or pumps the gas for us. And so I go into the store. I come back out. And the guy was like, reading reading some book and uh so i don't know why i just was like yeah what are you reading anything good or whatever and he's like oh i was i'm reading like norse mythology with like vikings and all that kind of stuff which you know didn't didn't guess that and i'm like oh i'm like that that's pretty cool and so i told him i was like yeah i'm actually kind of into that stuff too and like not crazy but like I, I i appreciate like norse music and stuff like that like played at the gym and like Point being, like, that guy would not have guessed that at all. And he's like, I'm going to be honest, dude. Like he said, he's like, I did not guess that. Like, I would never have guessed that at all. You know what I mean? And it's, like, pretty crazy that you just came up to me and were like, I showed you said interest and that you had something to say about it more than just that's cool. You know what I mean? And it's, like, cool because it's, like, I don't know if I'll ever see that guy again. Or if I do, it's, like, we may never have, like, a full-fledged conversation. But even in, like, that moment of passing where we cross lanes, it was cool to see you know what I mean? That there was like that commonality of interest and that surprise at the fact that it's like, you don't know this whole other person's story. You don't know their life. You don't know their interests. And so I thought that was kind of cool relating it to just like a real life scenario. And it's a very human element, which is half the reason I like tower of God, because there are very human elements within a fantastical world. Uh, and this was one of them on a very small scale. So I, I liked her as a character and I like what they highlighted so far. Um, but I don't really know what to think of her besides that. You know, I think so. it's, I think it's, it is cool that, uh, you know, part of what I think makes your world when you're making a story like fun and engaging to read or, or look at or watch um, is just that, is the lore building, right? Is the world, how dense is this world? How much history is packed into it? One of the things that I always praised Tower of God for just a couple episodes and subsequently chapters in was the fact that like by, you know, a few episodes in or whatever or, or chapters, like I knew I was like, yo, this world, like, there's history. Shit has happened in this world, and, like, I can feel it. I can feel it by the way these characters talk, by the way they move, by the way they interact with each other. Like, people behave in a way that implies that, like, this world has existed for thousands of years before any of them were ever created. And what I, but what I like the most about seeing that world unfold as we go up the tower is that not everybody's goals, aspirations, or uh, desires, or even priorities are all about the end game. They're not all about like getting to the top of the tower and fucking over Jihad or taking his place or whatever. Like some people just want to run a restaurant, dude. Some people just want to be a famous singer. Like not everybody's goal and aspiration is about overthrowing the system or the society. This world is so uh, 
relatable, you know, because that's the way the real world, not everybody wants to be the president. Not everybody wants to like, you know, change and redefine the way that our country's, you know, financial or, 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 uh, you know, communications or any of that shit. Like some people just want to run a business. Some people just want to, you know, join a club and, and be in a, like some people just, everybody has different, I guess, levels of, uh, wants and, and desires as far as, you know, uh, how much of a priority that takes on a, on a grand scale. And so, yeah, it's cool to see care. Cause I think we had this with, um, I feel like a dick. I'm forgetting the little kid who dies, uh, that Wang Nan meets when we first meet Wang Naya. Uh, Naya. Um, where his whole thing was making sure that the the woman who ran the restaurant that like took him in that that restaurant like got out of debt and was like that was his whole reason for going up these floors in the tower and it's like again it's it, it's it is it's cool it's nice to see that like not, and some people just want to like do a thing you know yeah for sure all right so anyway moving on uh we have Ryun or Ryun basically telling Bam uh good man good amount of your teammates are gonna die um which is somebody gonna die. Scary, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I know you were talking about this slightly before, about like, okay, that's kind of ambiguous and kind of talking about Ryun's character and the fact that she's very vague in these things, as most fortune tellers seem to be, right? Yeah. Um, what do we think about this? Who's going to who's gonna die? Um, is she saying that it's strictly the new team that's going to die? Because this was kind of an overarching point in the sense that Bam is now tasked, you know, to get new teammates to in the sense that, people. like, there's going to be a lot of people that die, so you kind of need some bodies at yeah. this point. Um, what so I, I, don't what I think is interesting is, one, sort of what I brought up before about the fact that she's not very specific about who's going to die, so Bam could, you know, theoretically in a world spend his time recruiting these new teammates only to watch, like, Shibasu die, right? Or somebody that he already knows, and it's like, Fuck it, it, you know, reiterates the idea that you don't really have as much control as you think about like your life events or what what have you. But what I think is interesting about this quote in this mindset is that again, I love when this when this series reinforces its central themes, right? So what I believe, the way I believe, the way I look at this story anyway is essentially, I think I said this before, some version of it that you have Bam and all of Bam's allies, right? And those are all going to be people who, for some reason or another, side with Bam's way of thinking, where it's like, we've got to get to the top of this tower because we've got to stop what Jihad's doing, but we need to do it by a different means than what everybody else is doing. And that, th that means not killing every single person that we see. That means teaching people that just because they've done wrong, that there is a way to uh, correct themselves and there is a way to do right and come out of that. And then you have Rachel and all the people who side with her. And again, for whatever reason they side with her, those are people who are like, yeah, we got to get to the tower, but I don't, I literally don't give a fuck how many people I got to step on to do it. Like, I don't care. I want to get to the top because whatever the fuck is up there, like it's going to give me whatever I want and I want what I want. And I love it when this, because essentially what this does is it puts Bam in a situation where he has to make a decision, right? And it's not like a, you know, a decision to be made lightly. I think it's something where it's like, all right, Bam could make, Bam could do this, right? He could recruit some teammates, pull some people together so that he has exactly what Ryun's talking about. Body, people to just take the hit for him or, or take a hit, whatever. Um, but is that not quite literally something that Rachel has done and is willing to do? Does that not put Bam a little bit closer to the line or the path that Rachel's walking on? And again, it's sort of the hard Batman Joker argument where if Bam's whole goal is to prove that we can get to the top of the tower another way, every step or any decision he makes to move just a little bit closer to Rachel's side, does that not invalidate, a even if it's a little bit less, the like him and his, his team's goal, their argument, their, their stake in this debate here? Or Bam could, you know, choose the, you know, the sort of morally righteous path, right? Sticking to his guns and being like, no, if I recruit people, like, they're going to be part of our squad. I'm not sacrificing anybody's life. But we know the way this tower works, like, that's easier said than done. That puts that puts Bam at a significant disadvantage because it means that there's more people that 
can be either turned against Bam or there's people that like can be, you know, like we saw with the um, Mr. Flex and re like turned as a hostage against, like to use against, but like, you know, we know that like from the sort of superhero tale that like the morally righteous path leaves you pretty vulnerable when it comes to anybody or anybody taking advantage of that love and that trust you have for people. So I really like this idea because it is sort of, but up until now, the story has implied, right? A bunch of times that like, bam, eventually like, gonna have to like sort of you know pick up your bootstraps and like make some tough calls or like bam you're gonna need to this sort of feels like bam like we're at the first wall like you've got to make a choice and you don't have to make you know one of these choices is not right or wrong but like you're gonna be responsible for whichever choice you make and it's gonna define bam's character going forward mm-hmm. yeah i feel like somebody uh somebody has to die soon at this point just for i don't know the um the suspense, the thrill, the whatever, right? To keep me engaged fully <laughs> in the story. I can't put a word on it, but it's like, there's something to be said when it's like somebody has the balls to pull the trigger on a ca- on characters. And it's like, not just kill them for the sake of killing them. You know, it has to fit into the- We're not the, ran. Yeah, like, yeah, right. It has to fit into the, to the story and the rules that we've established. Obviously, it has to make sense. Um, but, you know, they're like up to this point, We've been pretty lucky in dodging, you know, like metaphorical bullets in terms of, you know, what characters die and, and what and who don't. And like sometimes people leave the tower or there are things that separate them. And like even Horyang right now is like in a in a sort of com- comatose, comatose state yeah. because of, you know, one of his wings is gone or whatever. But like there's been very few people. Really? Who? Super Serena. Relevant. Well, Serena doesn't die. Well, no, that's what I mean. I'm yeah, talking yeah, about people yeah. who left. Oh, okay, yeah. Like. Di- die. Are there anyone? Is there anyone that... I mean, other than Ho. Ho. Yeah, which yeah, nobody cared about Serena. anyway, but... I'm just Damn. playing. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, I don't know. But I mean, like, I guess Ho didn't get enough, you know what I mean, like, time. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it nobody really died. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's like no one relevant has... You know what I mean? But in I mean, situation, if we're counting yeah. Mr. Flex, like he died. Well, we're, nah, we're talking nah. like team. Like, yeah, team. Okay, like, like the good, good guys. guys. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, like those guys, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess from the that's OG. what I'm saying is I'd like to see Bam make like the moral righteous decision and as a result have one of his teammates die still, you know, and then it's mm-hmm. like, well, where do you go? Which, you know, again, not the most relevant, like it's a little cliche in my opinion at least, but it does hearken to the point here where it's like making the good decision does not always reward you. It doesn't give you what sure. you want. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we need we need some spice with this and it's like I wanna feel, you know? Because like I felt when Huriang was like dead, that was like, oh my gosh, like you know, and we he he wasn't even like the OG OG. He was like the second OG, you know? From the second squad. Runner up. Yeah, like runner up or G OGs, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was still like, damn, dude, and he wasn't even like, you know, there there. I mean, you know. So I don't know. I think uh I don't know. I think they got to yeah. throw some spice. They got a lot of sugar. Definitely alluding spice. to something. Yeah. You know, something and bad I'm happening. I'm curious to see who it is. But anyway, <laughs> then we get to this butte. Um, the next uh, woman Pretty old here. Thing. Uh, Gavin, why don't you do a favor real quick and throw this beautiful woman on panel? Mm. Um, and that is, what's her name? Yuri. <laughs> oh, Yura. Yura. No, Yuri. Because <laughs> it is Yuri. So that's, a, so that's a discussion here, right? Uh, so she is the uh, idol, pop idol singer, um, the idol of the uh, pink-haired girl, uh, and has a little bit of mystery surrounding her. Um, she definitely seems a little condescending from like the small bits that we got from her. And she also has an eerily similar name to Yuri. Um, and is also and her now last name is Ha. Yeah, is and, and is now name. giving up her uh, pop idol career to just yeah, go on the hell train suddenly, which is weird. So, <laughs> oh, but, which is also weird because she became a pop uh, pop idol like a couple months ago. So that's another. Did thing. they say that? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they said that she she literally rose to fame like out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere like it happened. You know, yeah, like she was like, like overnight she just like, became an idol, ran yeah. her stuff, and is now, now again, like deucing it. And it was a couple months ago. Like yeah, you yeah. said that a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah. I actually that changed my perspective a little because I'm not gonna lie, I totally forgot that that was said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you guys were saying that, one of my main arguments to like be like, okay. I definitely don't think this is Yuri is because I was like, this woman is established mm-hmm. and I'm like, that would be kind of weird for Yuri to well, like go. So but you know, go my ahead. two things is one is in the camp of the, the, it's Yuri in disguise. Right. Because I don't believe, because to be honest, man, like her story lines way too close up to Yuri's exact scenario here. Um, a pop idol came out of nowhere is now super established is now well-established, but is now ultimately out of nowhere quitting her entire career because she just has to go on the hell train because there's something on the hell train that she wants. And whenever she wants something, she goes mm-hmm. after it and gets it. And has two tickets already. And has two tickets and knows about Bam. That's like Yuri's entire character development right here. Mm-hmm. So I think if it is Yuri, like it makes sense. There's uh, there's enough hinted here to be like, yes, that's obviously Yuri. Now, I do, I've, as I've been thinking about this after the stream, I do think there's an argument to, ma- to be made that Yuriha is somebody in the Ha family and that that is a separate person, but that she is working to help Yuri get on the train so that that's not exactly Yuri, but this sudden uptick of, you know what? I think I'm just going to quit my, my job, whatever. Again, I think that there's this whole Yuri, Yura, um, what's the pink or the princess's name? The other like one? Rochelle. Uh, Ooh, the, the Rapalista. Uh, Rapalista. Rapalista, Yura, Yuri thing where it's like maybe Rapalista is, is like helping going to give something to Yura if Yura helps Yuri get on the head. Like, I don't know. So my other theory is that that is a separate whole different person, but that she is still, because I'm going to be honest, if that's not Yuri or it is Yuri, is a, her her objective here is Yuri's objective. So there has to, like, Yuri is linked to this woman somehow, whether it is a passing thing, whether it's like their family members, so they're helping each other out. I don't know. But I'm, I'm not really, whether mm-hmm. that's actually Yuri or not, I'm not willing to to jump on or to get off the train of like Yuri's not involved in any, in what's going on with her. Cause I think it, it just shit is in the bucket. It looks way too neat and nice to be like, you know, to, to, be, to be like, Oh, it was just a coincidence. It's like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know. I, my gut is telling me it's not Yuri like that theory. Okay. Um, I literally have no evidence to back that. No, 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 no. That's a lie. I do. I do. There is some, it's not great evidence, but like, um, I do feel like the way that this character conducts herself is different from Yuri in the sense that like she is enmeshed in the same things that Yuri is and you know, for the list of things that you gave, right? The seven, nine things that, you know, lined up. But I think like the way this woman carries herself, and again, that could be because she's trying to hide herself, fair enough. Um, but I just like there's something that tells me that Yuri just couldn't contain herself, you know what I mean, when it comes when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, and that she doesn't need to go through this whole rigmarole of like putting on a disguise and everything, being that she has Evan, who is like one of the, you know, top guides, like one of the most like smartest people in this entire tower. Um, and maybe that is the plan. Maybe he's like, you got to disguise yourself. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's a little much. I feel like Yuri is just so like, I tend to forget sometimes power scaling and like how so, so much higher Yuri is than like any person on this floor where it's like flick of a finger. I decapitate you type, yeah. you know, power. And so, you know, there's part of me that's like, okay, would Yuri be able to like hold up this facade for so long? And if so, like, would we see cracks or not? Um, and it just seemed the one panel that threw me off um, that scent in particular was when she was in the mirror 
and we saw the back shot of her head, and she's like, oh, the public. Like, these are so stupid. Like, these people are so stupid. The public is so stupid. And for some reason, I know that's not strong evidence at all. It's really not evidence in the slightest. But for some reason, that threw me off because I was like, I don't feel like that's something that Yuri would say. I don't feel like Yuri would even waste her time making a comment like that, if that makes sense. I feel like Yuri just has better things to do. And it's like, it's weird. Like, I just feel like Yuri is so established so much higher that it's like the fact that she made that comment and now like the way she conducts herself in this like semi cocky condescending tone, but it's like, it's not, it's like out of this place of like this weird mass deception, um, doesn't fit into like Yuri's bubble. Now that again, that's just my intuition. That's just my intuition or instinct. Uh, and there really is no solid evidence. So I'm totally open and I could totally see if I am wrong. I would totally be not surprised if I was wrong in that, because there are so many things that line up with it potentially being Yuri, but my gut is telling me that it's not. Yeah. Well, I got something to add and it would kind of not answer all your questions, but some of them. And one would be the, her disguise, quite literally, because mm -hmm. don't forget, she is not allowed on this train in any Very shape true. or form. Very so true. theoretically, that would be her scapegoat being on, you know, Fair rising enough. to fame, having this image to her face. So then people wouldn't recognize her and be mm -hmm. like, yo, you're a princess. Like, no, I have this alter ego in a sense. So sure. mm -hmm. I can see that argument. And with that, in a way, I can see her saying those things in the mere fact of having to put on this new persona that she's able to pull it off so easily for her to make a comment like, wow, people are really stupid. Like, I can change my identity in a sense. And in less than two months, I just became a pop idol. Like, the public is pretty stupid. So I can see her saying those things in a sense. However, I am toying with the idea that Isaiah brought up, and I kind of like that more in a sense where this is maybe some sort of relative where um, Rapella or Repelista or whatever the other gamer queen's name is, her actual way to get Yuri on this train is maybe to find a, um, a relative of sorts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yuri, give her the envelope with Bam and the tickets, send it to said relative and have them go on this almost convoluted quest to meet Bam and almost then once she finds Bam, guide him to Yuri because yeah. she can't. I mean, that would explain why the envelope that was on her table is different from the one that was given, that was to, given Yuri. to Yuri. So if she yeah. put it in a different envelope. And two, it would also explain why the picture of Bam would be in there because mm -hmm. obviously Yuri would have to like. send it to know what Bam looks like. So yeah. I actually do like that idea, and I feel like it almost fits it better because, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I really do like that, and, and also, the more that I think about it, the more forget that when it. she's talking to this group of guys here, mm -hmm. um, they're like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean I'll join a team with you? How are you? Is that even going to work? She's like, well, because I have two tickets. Mm -hmm. But Rep uh, Repolista only gives Yuri one ticket, mm -hmm. which means that if that is Yuri, Yuri somehow has another ticket, which doesn't make any sense because all the other tickets would be accounted for in this on this floor sure. here of the train because it's yeah. stated that the mm -hmm. tickets aren't in like this fucking, you know, yeah. place. Like everybody has a ticket on them. Yeah. So yeah. I do think that I, I think – Listen, I think personally the I, the narrative that this is Yuri is a little bit of like the red herring mm -hmm. thing of SIU, like what he likes to do. I am personally a little bit more in the camp of like that's that it, Yuriha is a different woman, but like she is in cahoots with Yuri and trying yeah. to help her. Yeah, get I to agree. Bam. Yeah, um, I could see that. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I think that makes so. sense. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of mystery surrounding her, and I'm uh, curious and excited to see where we go with her character 100%. in particular. So, so last talking point here is Daniel, who we talked about before in Joy our Rand Daniel that discussion. Um, but you know, you want to talk tooth. about, yeah, he's uh yeah. Why do they do that? Is, is that, like <laughs> a, 
No, <laughs> is that, seriously, is that like um, what? you know how like you know like, like what little, does that symbolize again? Or it's like little, like the little. Oh, well, it's yeah. There's, there's, there's an actual symbol. There is an that. actual symbol. And I yeah. forgot what it was. I don't know to be honest if that if that's carrying over because there's a there's a fair number of characters that are illustrated that way in the story that I don't think it pertains to, but it's supposed to be like this like like sassy like almost rebellious like sort of air to the character like it's supposed to give them this like you know quite literally like sort of like feline-esque level of mischief yeah to yeah. their name or their appearance for sure um but it i mean in tower god man like he could be a quarter animal or something you yeah. know what i mean like we never really know for sure um yeah. but yeah I, I don't know i i am this is the first character that we've met since uh gustang and I don't even really count Gustang because I kind of, I mean, I could say this and be dead wrong. I i like to think that I sort of, that I know where Gustang stands a little bit more than I do this guy. Like this guy we met and introduced and he clearly seems to be in the realm of like ran right in your betas where he's like, I'm just killing people. Like I just want to make it, I just want to get these tickets and, and get to the hell train. I'm going to kill anybody who gets in my way. Like, you know what I mean? Pretty surface level, pretty cut and dry, but like. I to be you know in this in the hundred something chapters we read of this story we've never really met like a character that's that dry and surface level so I'd be hard pressed to again to have this is the way the story has conditioned me into writing him off and being like that's yeah, just a crazy kook he just wants to kill people like there's there's something I you know there's something that this man wants but like I'm kind of falling into this like repelista thing where it's like we all we saw was him. All we all we know, the only confirmed fact we have from his introduction is that he's stronger than Ran in, in terms of power scaling because he was yeah. able to handle that guardian much easier than Ran was. Um, and so people were saying, oh, well, what do you think it would be like if he, in our Discord, like, what do you think it would be like if this guy were to get into it with someone like Bam? Like, where do you think their power scaling lines up? Um, I don't know. That's tough because I guess that's then asking the question, well, where do we think Bam racks up against someone like Ran, right? If you want to analyze that on, like, a more power scaling thing, which... I don't know. I, I guess I've always inherently assumed that, well, uh, no, I don't know. I was going to say like that I've assumed that Bam is stronger than Ran, but I don't necessarily know if it's that he's stronger than Ran or that if he could beat Ran in a fight. Because again, as strong as I think Ran is, Ran does have very inherent weaknesses in his combative style. And it's first and foremost, and I think it's even what chalks him up here, is that he can get very prideful. He can get very full of himself very quickly and, and sort of put himself in this air of like not thinking 100% clearly, which I think... Bam could take advantage of, and also to be quite frank, I don't know where the thorn <laughs> puts Bam now in terms of power scaling because it could have been like him and Rand were neck and neck, and then the thorn, and now Bam. Like so, I don't know. And then again, I I don't really know what. If anything, I think this character could end up just being like a, a, a secondary antagonistic force, similar to how Beta played in the workshop battle arc um, to our heroes. Now, like you have Fug and Rachel's group, who I think are going to be like the main villains, and then I think you have people like Daniel and. To be honest, everybody else on the train um, who are going to sort of play like the secondary antagonistic role, and they're sort of going to be like the guys who are trying to get the tickets, but for their own deeds and for their own selfish wants or desires or whatever. Yeah, I just want to know where this guy came from. Is he Fug? That's fair enough. Yeah. Is he related to Rachel? I mean, those freckles kind of throw me <laughs> off. No, seriously, like he has a weird, like an oddly similar look in weird sense. I don't know. I'm literally in the dark on where this guy came from and what his motivations are. And everything about him. We just literally know that he is incredibly strong and he does have knowledge of how mm. things go down before they seem to actually go down. Yes, much mm. like uh, Boro. Yes. So maybe that even indicates that this is not his first time running the train. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know. Gavin, what do you think? 
Bro, I'm I'm like struggling on this whole snaggletooth thing that I've been <laughs> on this whole time because I literally I had to look it up and I was like, all right, I got to get to the bottom of this. And literally, the answers that they give you are so. There's three scenarios. All right, so you authors can give it to um kind of give characters a mischievous look, okay, implying that they may be naughty and overly extroverted, which he is very extroverted and naughty, but. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> you you know what I mean. No, I know. It's just right. funny the way you All right, it. yeah. Um, but not actually evil, which was interesting. However, and they have other like scenarios where this can be put. And the next one is some authors may want to portray that the message can, the message they can portray is that they're cute but evil. Like cute, just because somebody's cute, they can also be evil, which is interesting. And then in the and then, then the last paragraph that they have explaining why an author would use it would be they're trying to, re- to they're trying to represent like um, demonic traits in terms of like how of like evil would be. I'm going with like the mischievous. The mischievous. That's what one I was kind of going. We get Wang on a lot with this, yes. uh, as well, and it's like it always it always seems to pop up when they make mm-hmm. a comment like this, like "Ooh, we found a pretty good rookie this time." You Ooh. know what I mean? Or like Wang yeah. Nan being like, hey, hey, "Hey, I got away with like some stupid thing." You know, like that's that's yeah. where my which which I would agree with. I wonder to the extent if it's following that same like cookie cutter cutout, where it would also imply then that he is not inherently evil in a sense. I don't which, think that. Which, again, is interesting. Although we've seen everything that he has done and is capable of, I really wonder when we find out um, what is his ties with Rachel's group, what are his motives in terms of working with them, what is he gaining from it, and just, like, everything that ensues of their relationship. Because I feel like that would really, like, kind of solidify where he, like, is as a person morally. Like, obviously, we know he's willing to ice people and will do it very harshly and against people's will. But, like, I kind of just want to know his motives because he is an interesting person, and I like the way that he toys with Rand. Like, it, I like that superiority complex that he's showing where it's almost like, I know more than you. Like, we're going to, like, play and like find out. I like to throw a little thing in the bucket here. Okay. Um, that he is evil. And not only that he's mm-hmm. evil, but that the whole snaggletooth thing you were going off about. Uh-huh. Um, that I would actually throw my ticket in the bucket of the last one. The demonic one. The demonic one. Okay. In that this man is in ties to all the other people that are on Rachel's team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they are all some sort of like half species of thing that quite literally eat people. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. not only this I man, but a that. lot of <laughs> Rachel's people on her team make very blatant comments yeah. about eating people. No, yeah, no, you're completely right. I, I literally forgot. Dude, like, I forgot. I had no clue. I and then he was to. like, oh, yeah, by the way, he, like, just actually said he was going to eat people. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I wonder. Of, yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah. Too. There's, like, this thing to be said where, like, this man, Daniel, and all the ragamuffins that Rachel's running with. <laughs> the ragamuffins. Are just, like, this species of, th- of half people or whatever, or half demons or things that just eat people. I mean, if, you, <laughs> if you're going to roll on Rachel's team, you got to be half demon or half, like, out of your mind in some point because otherwise you're not gonna like that's what i'm saying she's not running with like trustworthy human beings they gotta be like half demon or half snake or something facts yikes fax machine (laughs) let's build a fax machine we're gonna build the fax machine all right you're gonna get rachel's booty smack it on it ice her and then send it to bam and i'll be like in the footnote i'll be like coon i got you fam the end. You can continue. <laughs> the end. Tower of God. That's the ending. Yeah, that's <laughs> the ending. Tower of God. Anyway, oh folks, that was our last point that we wanted to go over today. Again, mm-hmm. thank you for everyone in the Discord that voiced their opinions in terms of what we wanted to, you know, what they wanted to see us talk about and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, thank you for everyone who watched our live stream. Again, if you haven't, definitely go check that out so you can get our live unbiased reaction to everything that we read and went over. 
Um, yeah, but until next time, folks, I think that's all we got for you today. Smash that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that love. Check the description for all of our links. But until next time, we'll catch you on the flip. Peace. Later. Peace. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly?